0: You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin mafia and true crime history.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome back to a special episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric Walterkins. I'm Gavin Schmidt, and today we are joined with a very special <clears throat> guest, which I will turn it over to Gavin to introduce. So, Gavin, take it away.
0: Yeah. So for this uh, for this episode, Eric's going to kind of sit in the background, be the engineer. Uh, maybe he'll jump in here or there, but mostly just in the background, um, because we have a special guest this time, uh, a man who reached out to me uh, to be on the on the podcast, and I, I, how could I say no to that? Uh, his name is Berto Vallejo, and Berto was, uh, from the age of 13, he was a member of the Latin Kings organization in Milwaukee. He rose up to actually be one of the leaders, both in Milwaukee and regionally. So, this guy has seen some crap, so uh, definitely uh, a one of a kind interview you're going to hear today. Uh, Berto, introduce yourself.
2: Oh, uh, how's it going, fellas? First of all, um, yeah. So, not to uh, not to throw a curveball, but yes, I definitely was a member of the Latin Kings for a long time, and um, I did rise up the ranks, not quite to the regional level, but I was connected with the regional guys, and I did have. Um, I did have connections with those guys and I met with those guys uh, pretty regularly. So, I mean, that'll be something I can get into, but um, definitely a, a, a very interesting lifestyle. And, and I look forward to sharing it with you guys.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, basically when I, I didn't mean like you were in region, i know only like you weren't in like the Chicago area, but you were um, what you call the active Inca of your, of your chapter, your sub chapter. So you were in communication regularly with the other, uh, with the other cities, correct?
2: Yes, yes, that's correct. And 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 uh, you know, I just know that if some guys in situations like this, I like to over embellish a little bit, man. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm as straight as they come. So I definitely, yes, I definitely was not acting way at the time. So I did, I did uh, have conversations with a lot of important guys, guys that were on the region. So. Without a doubt, that is uh, 100% true.
0: Okay, so we're going to step it back a little bit. Even though I'm somebody who knows quite a bit about crime and quite a bit about Wisconsin, I actually knew very little just a few weeks ago about uh, the almighty Latin King Nation or the Latin Kings or a number of other variations. And uh, so I'm guessing a lot of listeners also know very little. Um, Can you tell us, like, where in Milwaukee this uh this group is or was and what other parts of Wisconsin might we find them?
2: Okay, so now keep in mind I've I've been away from uh the organization for quite a number of years. I actually became a Latin King in two thousand and one. So when I was around uh there was primarily four sub chapters. The uh, nineteenth Street Latin King, which is where I was from, uh twenty third Street Latin King, the Wild Walkers and then the Sawyers. So those were before uh, recognized chapters in Milwaukee. Um, we also have, um, chapters in Delavan, Racine, Kenosha. Um, and these are all a part of our overall region. Um, but so Milwaukee, um, was, is, it was a hub of Wisconsin, obviously because it's the inner city. Basically, when I was around, we had a pretty good hold on, um, I would say the south side of Milwaukee. Uh, but before mm-hmm. I get in that, how do you want me to, to really? Well, what would you really like me to to in, indulge when it comes to as far as the, the chapters and the subchapters? Is there a uh, is there a specific um, way you would like me to address that question?
0: Well, um, you know, I'm not sure. So you've got the the four groups in Milwaukee, and I know you've said to me that that some have more prestige than others, but you're all you know on the same side. Right? Uh, right. Is there is there like a an overarching group that oversees this these four or are they all sort of semi independent?
2: How does this work? Right. right. Okay. So um, internally, obviously from the outside looking in, we're 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 one whole, we're one entity, right? We're Latin Kings. But internally, right, there was sort of a hierarchy within the chapters because there was there was sub chapters that did a lot more dirt, which is, you know, they, they put in more work when it came to, you know, violence in the street or producing money. And so they had a little bit more prestige to them. You know, 19th street where I was from was the cream of the crop. I mean, you got, you know, a lot, if you researched our indictment, I mean, the yeah. cornerstone of our indictment was because of the 19th street Latin king. So, and that's no disrespect to anybody that was on there, but you know, a lot of the guys were just, they were throwaways. They were. They were pieces of the puzzle that, that, you know, were window dressing to make it look bigger than it really was. It was about 19th street and it was about the violence. Um, as far as the connections, yes, definitely it grew bigger. Okay. So within each subchapter, you have an Inca, which is the leader. And then you have a Casinka, which is the second in charge. Those two positions universally are voted upon if they need to be filled. So if, you know, there was an instance, I've been a part of one before where your basically your leaderships get locked up at the same time, your Inca and your Kusinka go in and they go away. Well, then the remaining members, they vote on those two positions. Ideally, if, you know, if the Inca is still out and the Kusinka gets locked up, a lot of times the Inca is, is awarded the ability to just pretty much handpick his Kasinka because that's his right hand man. <clears throat> that's the person who's going to be making a lot of decisions with him. Um, the Inca has the overall say, so he has the final say. And then it moves on to the enforcer. The enforcer is, is an appointed position by the Inca and the Kasinka has some say so as well. Um, his job is exactly what it sounds like. He's the enforcer. He enforces all the rules. He, you know, he's very, this guy in this position usually has to have, you know, an edge and, uh, he usually has to have not, not a favoritism bone in his body because you'll, you'll hear about a lot about that in my story. But his job is to basically call it across the board, even give out violations, make sure guys are paying dues. And uh, when with regard to dues, the next position will be the treasurer. The treasurer is somebody who handles all the money, make sure the dues are paid. And at the end of the day, make sure the kickback is ready for the Chicago guys, because mm-hmm. ultimately that's where it goes. Chicago was the motherland. That's where it originated. And that's where the ultimate orders come from. OK, so those are the main positions. When you get into a situation where you have a lot of members in a chapter, which we did at one time, you get what they call a crown council. And a crown council is basically it's about seven members and they're just regular soldiers. They don't have any supreme rank. They're regular soldiers, with the exception of the chairman. The chairman is the head of the crown council and he has some rank. He's not necessarily, um, I would say, on par with the or Kasinka but he has some prestige to him because. When there's an issue within the nation, within each other, right, it would go in front of the county council and be voted on almost like a jury. And the chairman would make a final decision and he would bring it to the Inca and then the Inca would make a final decision. And when I say final decision, that could be anything from a violation for somebody or they could be ordered to get killed. Uh, me personally, I haven't been involved in, in one of those orders, but I've heard of it happening. So the chairman plays a big role. But like I said, that, that happens a lot of times when there's a lot of members in the chapter. Um, I guess, fortunately and unfortunately, throughout my, my membership, there wasn't a lot of times where we had enough members to have the Crown Council, as well as all the positions filled, as well as active soldiers. You know, There was on and off, but you got to remember in this lifestyle, so many guys are in and out of jail, in and out of prison, in and out of D.C., mm-hmm. which is detention center, in and out of juvie. So it, it's really hard to maintain the same structure over a period of time and and that carries over um that carries up up the chain so once once you get past the sub chapters it goes to a regional level where you have the same kind of structure an inca a an enforcer and they have that's a regional position those guys are really really powerful and then it even goes even higher to what they call um a supreme inca or a corona and those guys are untouchable and all the way up to the founders which is lord gino and bk or, or or baby ray um those were the two who founded the gang so yeah it's it's, it's a it's a it's like a big company you know it's like sure. a big organization you know you have you have the the owner the ceo you know you have all these moving parts and it's really really it's intriguing and fascinating if you think about how quickly you know it it has to adapt and morph because of the ongoing ins and outs and indictments and you know, just, just, uh, and it changes often, but go ahead. If you had a, if you had a question, sure.
0: for
1: that. Yeah, Eric's got yeah, something. I've actually got a question. So, um, you were talking about like the founders and stuff like that. Now, did you have found- founders in Milwaukee or are these, cause it sounded like you said that a lot of the orders came from the Chicago Latin Kings. Okay. Did so I understand that right?
2: Well, when I mean orders in general wouldn't come from Chicago because, they don't understand the demographics of Milwaukee when I mean when I maybe I I misspoke when I say orders I mean a lot of the you know the dues that we have to pay or you know are these guys what they call on count right so you know everybody's name is recognized through basically like a universal ledger you know now it used to be literally written down obviously things have changed over the years and that's not really that's not smart to do anymore but your name has to be recognized in Chicago. In order for you to be a Latin King, period. So when I say you know orders, that's what I mean. I mean there's there's a there's a there's a certain line that you have to walk that has to be okay with those guys down there. Um, as far as as far as you know orders within Milwaukee, you no, know, those are going to come from within within the sub chapters. Uh, you know, there's no way for Chicago to know about anything that's going on. Um, but yes, uh, to circle back to what you asked, Eric, there are definitely uh, founders of the sub chapters, right? Because um, in 98, in the indictment, this was one of the major downfalls of the Latin Kings in 98. Okay, so in 98, the Latin Kings also got indicted. And I had an older cousin who was in that indictment. I was just a little kid, but I mean, obviously, I knew of it. <clears throat> and uh, so what they decided to do prior to the 98 indictment is they they combined all the sub chapters that were in Milwaukee and made it one chapter. It was called the Cago Latin Kings. And that was the biggest mistake they could have made because... What they did essentially was instead of having separate entities and being able to monitor individuals and individual chapters, they brought it all into one. And now it's hard to see somebody who slips through the crack with a wire on or anybody that's trying to inform on you. So it really made them vulnerable. And um, that's how they ended up getting indicted in 98. So needless to say, after that indictment happened, the chapters split back up. So the founder of our chapter of 19th Street is a guy named Champ. You know, I won't give you his real name, but anybody who listens to this podcast who knows that name Champ, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, he had somebody who was with him um, who was kind of a co-founder. His name was Boy. Um, both, listen, you know, obviously I'm on the other side of these guys now. Right. And we'll get into that as time goes on. But I have nothing but respect for these two guys. I mean, these guys were solid guys in and out uh they'll bend over backwards for you unfortunately they just live and die by the sword that is the latin king and that's where their loyalty lies uh as far as 23rd street i'm not really familiar who founded them wild walker was basically just they were they were they were basically um guys that fell away from cargo and turned into wild walker there wasn't really a founder so to so to speak because Wild walker was right down the block from where cargo hood was it was it was actually the closest the closest to that neighborhood. So that's why right. a lot of those guys just kind of migrated over there. Um, Sawyer was actually, it's actually a Chicago subchapter. Um, the Sawyer Land Kings are from, uh, Sawyer 30 in Chicago. And one of the guys <clears throat> came up and started the chapter, had permission to start the chapter up in Milwaukee. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how the four chapters, I guess, were originated or founded.
0: Okay. So I got I've got a couple of different directions I, I can go here. Um one thing that I found really interesting is the guy at the top of the organization, if if I'm not mistaken, he's been in prison since before you or I were born. Um yeah. and he's yeah. still running it, right?
2: Yeah, I mean from, from everything I know, I mean listen, that guy he's uh he's one, you know. He has so many restrictions on what he can actually who he can actually talk to and what he can actually say to people because of the fact that yes, he still has that supreme that supreme chokehold, so to speak, on the Latin King. Uh yeah, he's he's been in prison. He was gonna get out, I think one time, um uh, I wanna say in ninety eight, he was gonna get out of uh, I believe it was Pontiac and right before he was about to get out <clears throat> he got indicted. And <laughs> and the irony here is that it was right around the same time that the Latin Kings in Milwaukee got indebted. So there was a lot of guys, not a lot of guys, but there was a handful of guys that got indebted in Milwaukee that actually got to meet them. You know, they were in prison and, sure. in, and, in, uh, or, or, county jail, or whatever it is, holdover basically until, you know, they went away. But, uh, yeah. So I mean, that, that's a treat for a lot of guys. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, meeting your, your biggest idol, you know, like that's what it was for guys at that time.
0: Yeah, I just it's it's interesting because if I understand the timeline, I mean, there are probably grandsons of people that he knew in the organization that he's, you know, he's never met them because he's not been on the outside. So that just right. blows my mind that he can run everything from that way.
2: Right. Well, and listen, here's the thing, right? And I think I spoke with you about this a little bit, but and, uh, um, <clears throat> which is something obviously I'll get into more with my own story, but you know, the Latin King as a, uh, as a whole man is a great, it's a great, um, it's just a great way to draw people in. And, and the manifesto that Lord Gino he was the founder and, and, and BK wrote, um, it has a lot of really, really intriguing philosophy. And it has a lot of, there's a lot of dignity in what he wrote. And I believe that people that are looking for a purpose and people that are lost and people that are looking for something to grab onto can be sold. And I'm talking about smart people, not just dumb kids that are lost. I'm talking about smart people because, you know, not just the philosophies that are in it as a Latino um But the propaganda behind it, I mean, the way it unites people and brings them together is really, really, I mean, you want to talk about a a sense of empowerment, right? Like, I could never replicate the feelings that I got when I was becoming a Latin king, when I was meeting Latin kings, when I was growing up in the ranks. You can never replicate that, man. I mean, and you can be whatever kind of powerful billionaire you want to be. But to have grown men, you know, 40, 50 grown men at a time stand up when you walk into the room to show you respect, you can't, you can't get that anywhere. And mm-hmm. so when you get, when you get propaganda based black and gold colors and, and gang signs and, and like they're, they're, that's the reason why people say, I'll die for this because it, it, it sucks you in. And don't get me wrong. They, it's, it, they prey on people that are lost, but. It's definitely a two-way street. You know, you get sucked in and then, you know, you get, you, you kind of get to stole this dream about this brotherhood. And then you start to really believe it because obviously you get introduced in a manifesto and you think that you're really living for a cause. You're really, you're really searching for a cause and you're really living for it. So, I mean, I think that's an intriguing part of it to me personally. You know, obviously now from the outside looking in, I can see why aside from, you know, the camaraderie that initially drew me in, I can see why I became so loyal to it.
0: Yeah. And you actually, you, you kind of brought up where I was going to go with the other question is that there is this manifesto and there is a constitution. Like it's, I, I'm not familiar enough with how other organizations work, but you know, like I'm mostly familiar with the mafia, obviously from this podcast, but they don't have anything like that. I mean, they've got rules, but nothing that formal. I'm just impressed that, Anybody who, who signs up, like they know exactly what the rules are. They know exactly what they're there for. It's everything's laid out.
2: Right, right. Yeah. And and um, so the manifesto, I mean, forgive me, right? I, I memorized a lot of this. You gotta remember this is my life, but mm-hmm. it has been over probably sixteen years since I actually had my hands on one. I remember a lot of the manifesto and just what it I mean, and this is you wanna talk about a precious you know, like this is an article that was treated like a Bible or, you know, it was really, really, it was put on a scale. I mean, when you held it, you know, first of all, when you when you read the first page and you turned to the next one, when you couldn't turn back. I mean, there's a certain way you had to approach it and read it. Soldiers could only read the first part of it. There was two parts. The second part was for people in leadership. So it was really, really, I mean, just very, very tedious in how you had to apply it to to yourself and your life. and uh, I mean I remember the King's Prayer I still know that by heart you know like I told you uh the Almighty that in king nation is an acronym um, mm-hmm. each each letter actually represents a word you know there's five points which is love honor being a sacrifice and righteousness so those those are those are principles that you live by you know there's there's a lot of philosophy that that um that you learn um there's different the quote I want to say in different, like different quotes from like nostalgic people um that I believe were like rewrote and inserted into certain areas of the manifesto. And, you know, obviously the rules and the constitution, that's the, that's the main part that every, everybody focused on, because that's the part that gets you in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you All know right. that's the part, that's the part that's going to get you in prison. A lot of what I focused on, and I don't know, maybe it was just, it was natural for me is those constitution the constitution is, it just came naturally. I didn't need to study it. Right. Like, I mean, I was just who I was. So I didn't have to learn it. But the other stuff is what intrigued me. You know, the other stuff is what I wanted to know. I wanted to understand what my cause was, what I was willing to die for. And so, yeah, I mean, the manifesto in itself is really, really complex and it's really, really dynamic. And, um, you know, if you had questions about specifically what I remembered, I could give it to you. I mean, it's, it's like I said, some of it's a little foggy, but I do remember a lot of it.
0: Okay, so. Uh, just to kind of continue on that, you're talking about the cause, and now you know if you're on the outside of the organization, if you're you know, if you're me, Eric, and we're sitting out here, just two dumb white guys, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. to us, like Latin Kings is you know it's a drug dealing organization, it's it's drive by shootings with rival gangs. Um, we don't see that other side of it. Can you kind of give us an idea of what the cause was?
2: Okay. That's a good point. I mean, that's uh, I guess that's the uh, I guess that's the evolution of the Latin Kings. Right. So obviously, this is before my time when there wasn't violence. And and, uh, primarily what it was was it was about it was about strengthening the Latino community. You know, there's a lot of things in our manifesto that um, you see, see how that naturally happens. I said R, and I'm not a Latin King no more, but that naturally happens. (laughs) but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in the manifesto that, that, you know, they promote good, right? So you can't, you're not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to tell you what it is. That doesn't mean they follow it, but you're not supposed to sell heroin and drugs in your neighborhood, in your community. You know, kids are supposed to be in school. It's it's, it's all about helping your fellow Latino um in any way. So, I mean, I mentioned to you, there was some of that, there was some of that in, in what we did. Like if, if we had money in our due box and somebody's family needed rent money and they couldn't afford it, we would we would give it, you know, so there's little things like that. But primarily when it started, um, from my understanding, I never seen it, but it was based on that. It was based on camaraderie. It was based on strengthening the community. And then what it turns into the evolution of it, it becomes now it becomes about <clears throat> it becomes about power that transforms people because Mm -hmm. you know if you have a group of guys and one guy wants to be more powerful than the other guy and now there has to be sides taken and that guy leaves now he's going to start his own thing right and so when he starts his own thing now that turns into another gang or another street and now they want war with the guys that they left because they felt they were wrong and vice versa And that kind of has a snowball effect, and it trickles down and down. I can almost guarantee that a lot of, especially the gangs on the south side of Milwaukee, you know, obviously it's different now. But when I was around, there was there Spanish Cobras, different kind of sub-chapters of Spanish Cobras. There was the La Familia. They were primarily on, like, Aisling, Washington. Um, I believe they started from the Lopez family that used to sell Mm -hmm. large quantities of cocaine on the south side. Uh, the two ones was 21st and Scott. That was actually a chapter of Latin King. The guy that started that chapter was a Latin King. Um, his name was Polo. And then they have the MP, which is the Mexican posse. Them ones, I wouldn't say is is intertwined, is what I'm about to, how I'm about to bring this together. But my point is that a lot of those gangs, you know, they formed from being with Latin Kings or being mm-hmm. with, members or groups before they even became Latin Kings or became Spanish Cobras, you know, they were friends. You know, I can't tell you how many times I ran into some of the older guys when I was around and said, Oh yeah, I know this Cobras, man, we used to be best friends. The guy two one Polo and the guy I told you that started 19th street champ, they were, they were, they were like best friends. Um, They used to box together uh, at, at UCC, the community center. I mean, these guys knew each other forever and they just ended up splitting because, you know, mm. differences. And that's kind of where the rivalry starts. That's where the violence starts, you know, and then it progresses. Now it's about getting money. Right. So now it's about you stepping on my toes. You're trying to take my money. I'm trying to take your money and there's not enough money to split. Right. So it just kind of snowballs and it evolves into this, this basically this revolving door of emptiness. I mean, it's, it's a hoax now what the Latin Kings stand for and you know, obviously, I'm gonna get blowback on. I mean, no, none. Person. The reality is, this is the truth, and these are these are truths that are out there. You know, they might be unspoken truths amongst these guys, but you know, the world sees it. The 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 community see it. You know, it's 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 garbage. You know, what mm-hmm. the cause that was once believed in is so far removed that it's a joke. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just that's just a matter. I mean, it's a fact.
1: I'm curious. So, would you say? Based on like what you've talked about with the Constitution and some of the beliefs of the Latin Kings, did this group originally start out not at all in a violent way, but more as something to help the Latino community become, you know, I guess have a community. I guess. Com- yeah, yeah. And Does it's, that and make sense? Know, and that's where yeah, what I, it. What I,
2: it's, I definitely agree. I definitely believe that, and it was the oppression of Latinos. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, you want to talk about minorities in bad positions. Yeah, that's what it was about. That's what it was. It was an empowerment. It was a movement, you know, about empowerment and empowering the Latino community. And, you know, there's a lot of families that still believe in that, you know, there's a lot of families that are strong, you know, strongly intertwined, so to speak, but they're not a part of the violence, but they believe in taking care of each other. And, you know, that's, I mean, if you ever, If you've ever been around a traditional Mexican family, you know, I'm half Mexican, I'm halfway. If you've ever been a traditional Mexican family, I mean, they'll bend over backwards for you. And that's, that's, that's kind of what the origin was. And I, I mean, I, to, to some extent, I believe that, I believe that there are definitely, um, some maybe grandmas, you gotta remember it's the Almighty Latin King and Queen Nation, you know, some grandmas and mothers that are, you know, they still believe in that. You know, they still believe in, in empowering each other. So, yeah, I believe that to some extent, man. Um, but like I said, it only takes one drop of poison and, you know, you dip it in the water and the whole the whole water is polluted now, kind of how it goes.
1: Well, and basically how you've described it, I would say, I mean, this very much sounds very similar to the Mafia. Cause in the the mafia beginning. yeah, the ma- Mafia very much started the same way where they were just about... Empowering the Italian community, but then turned into more of a crime organization later on as right. things went along. So I think right. that's, I, a that's, that's, re- that's a natural evolution for this type of thing to follow.
2: Right. That's a good point. I think me and Gavin touched on that a little bit too. Like, you know, you, you, uh, you know, I try to find parallels between the mafia and, and just the, the, the Latin Kings, the, the organization that it is. And I mean, I guess the biggest, the biggest distance and the biggest uh, difference would be the people that they hurt. Um, mm,
1: mm.
2: ironically, ironically <laughs> they both represented strengthening their community and their, their race, so to speak. And them were the main people that they kill. So, <laughs> you know, uh, Irony that, there. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's a twist there. Right. I mean, and that's yeah. it's the same thing, right? Nobody's nobody, nobody doesn't have blood on their hands. You know, the Latin King, you know, they, uh, Unfortunately, they don't. A lot of times, they're not killing Latin kings, but they are killing other members of the community. That a lot of times, I mean, where I'm from, the South Side, when I was growing up, was it was it was weird, but it was almost segregated. I mean, you know how the South Side, the Milwaukee is, Mm. it's it's separated by viaducts. You know, the North Side and the South Side, and the Mm. North Side was primarily African American, and the South Side was primarily Spanish and white people. So when that that hasn't changed. Yeah, so when the gangs are shooting at each other, they're shooting at their own people. And with the mafia, obviously, they have, you know, they kill each other more than they kill people that are outside of the mafia. So, yeah, I just I found that a, a definitely a twist of irony there.
0: All right. So uh, I have a question about the idea of, of going to war. Um, what what makes that uh what what brings that on? Why is it time? Why is somebody become a target? Or why does another group become a target? Is it just something you do every so often automatically or does something have to spark another round of it? What okay, what brings so that on?
2: War tends to happen for the stupidest reasons, man. For the stupidest reasons. And the majority of the time it's you know, and these <laughs> listen, okay, so Latin Kings, they don't they don't have allies, right? I mean when, when I was coming up, they had very few, right? So there are certain gangs in the South that they associate with each other. They have no problem with it. Well, Latin kings don't have allies and it's primarily because of what I'm about to tell you right now, right? Why wars start. You know, they usually start at a house party when some guy walks and in, bumps into another guy and they're from different gangs, but they're supposed to be there together. And now it's a who's tougher competition. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, man, you know, a lot of times <laughs> I don't, I don't want to glorify it, but, but, Listen, the Latin Kings were the supreme, the supreme organization on the south side, you know, and I think anybody that's got any kind of sense will admit that. And so a lot of times, man, those guys, they usually get beat down, shot, you know, they get the worst end of it. And now that turns into a war, you know, because some of those guys, you know, they go back and they have friends and their friends have guns and their friends, their friends aren't scared of Latin Kings, you know, because just like the Latin Kings got guns and guys that ain't scared. That exists in other games. So that's where it starts. And nobody knows why it continues, right? So, you know, you, you got, you got futures that come in. I might come in when I come in as a Latin king. They might say, man, we're really, really heavy at war with the Spanish cobras. I don't say why. I just say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's so, and, you know, I'll touch on this, but one of my best friends was, um, was actually killed by a Spanish cobra, you know, That sparked the war, right? I mean, we're already, we're already looking to, you know, obviously we don't care. You know, we, we shot at cobras on a regular, but when you kill one of ours, now it intensifies it, right? Now it grows, you know, that, that time that you're at the store and you see one and you just, you you, you know, you look the other way, you know, those times don't exist anymore. You know, now it's always, you're always active. So that's kind of, that's kind of the way war works, man. There's really no, it's not the game of risk. You know, you you don't you, you don't scheme it up and then it plays out the way you want it to. It kind of just organically, man, it happens for stupid reasons and then it continues on for even dumber reasons, you know. So, yeah, say, I mean, yeah, there's, we there's, but, like I
0: said we weren't going to talk about like your personal story until like the next the next time we do this. But uh, but just it, it kind of ties in. I mean, I believe you told me you were shot the first time. I don't know if you were shot multiple times, but you were shot the first time when you were. 13. And I'm guessing you probably didn't even know why.
2: Right, right. So yeah, I was I was 13. I was going until I got shot, thankfully. But yeah, I got shot when I was 13. And it took some hard investigating. But I, I, found, I actually found out it was a Cobra who shot me as well. And yeah, I mean, that's one of those instances. I mean, I literally just spoke it two seconds ago. But that's what I was talking about. When I came in, they tell you, hey, we're at war with the Spanish Cobras, you know, make yeah. sure you're, you're on point. Okay, well, I learned really fast that your head should be on a swivel. That was a that was a that was a life lesson.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why that's that's why I brought it up because I'm like, I'm guessing that first time that you're the victim of a drive by, you don't even know what sparked right. it at that point.
1: <laughs> is right. is there something that brings these wars to an end or is it just they kind of fizzle out and the anger is gone or whatever? Does well, something I, have I listen, to happen? I,
2: yeah, I think I think the uh I think the The best answer would be that they usually fizzle out when the guys who are active war participants go to prison. You know, because. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, because, because in, in, in every, in every gang, in every gang, you have the guys that really, really enjoy war or they live for war. And you have the guys that are not so much like that. And obviously, you know, Obviously, the guys that enjoy war are more prone to get caught for, you know, shooting guns. So they end up going down. The guys that aren't, you know, they end up staying around. They end up staying out. So, you know, and that's how they fizzle out. You know, that's how that's how they kind of die down until they have another group of guys that come up and are really interested in war. You know, so that's that's kind of how it goes, man. There's no really rhyme or reason for it. That's just that's just the way it is.
0: I'm I'm actually pretty good with this segment. Eric, you, you you've been pretty active this hour. You got another
1: question for him? I don't think so right now. No.
0: Okay. So. I like, cuz we just wanted to kind of cover the the generals of the organization and I feel like we did pretty good unless unless Alberto uh, you think there's something we forgot?
2: Um yeah, no. As a as an overview, I think we did pretty well. I guess uh yeah, I guess I guess anything anything else can kind of be can kind of be glossed over as we go along.
0: Right, yeah, obviously more is going to come up as we go. but
2: Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm can't, can't think of anything glaring that needs to be um, out there for the listeners. I think they can have a good, a good gist of, of, of where to go.
1: We'll wrap this episode up. Um, if you guys enjoy this podcast, please leave us feed on your favorite podcast player. Gavin, you want to hit them with contact info?
0: Yeah, I can be found uh, at MilwaukeeMafia.com. You can email me MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com find me on Facebook. You can probably find me other places. I'm pretty easy to track down. If you want to talk to Eric for some reason, you can reach him through me. Um, uh, you cannot reach Berto, but he will be back with us uh, on our next segment. So I hope you've enjoyed this and we'll be back again soon. But
1: you can yeah. certainly reach out to us if you do have questions for Berto and we'll get them to him. Yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah. so
2: Any fair. questions, any questions. I welcome them all. I welcome them all.
1: All right. Well, this will wrap this episode up. We'll be back in one week with the Patreon episode, two weeks with a regular Mafia episode. And thank you all for tuning in.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia
2: and true crime history.